Good morning, Life Center. Man, it's great to see everyone here today. It's good to be in church. Um, if you're a guest here with us, thank you for joining us today. Um, we'd love to meet with you at the, at the uh, VIP booth at the end, and thank you for being here with us. Um, there's a lot of places you could be on Sunday morning, but this is the best place to be. So thank you for being with us today. Amen. So uh, real quick, before I dive in today, I just want to uh, remind everyone that we are having a Christmas dinner, doing something a little different this year. We're having it off-site. It's going to be a lot of fun. Everybody's invited to go. You've been seeing things on Facebook and Instagram that, about this event coming up. But we have to have the number locked in today. So if you have already registered, are planning to register, or just want to know if you can come, you can definitely come. There will be people at the VIP booth today. Please stop by and talk to my wife, Tawana, myself, any one of the staff people that are back there. We can help you get taken care of today. So we just have to get that, na- that number plugged in uh, so that they can be ready for us. So sorry about that, but we had to take care of that today. All right. So Pastor Scott kicked off our series, our Christmas series, last Sunday with a foundational uh, message about the I Am. And, and it's, it's pretty exciting because... What we sang about, what we're talking about for the next couple weeks, I think really will keep us connected to the reason for the season, right? It really brings perspective about who God is and and not just who he is as a deity in the heavens, but who he is in our life every day, because that's really what makes the difference. It's when we understand who he is for us. So, So he talked about how God spoke to Moses out of a bush that was on fire but wasn't being consumed. And, and he was calling Moses to be the deliverer for the children of Israel that were in bondage in Egypt. And, and Moses said, you know, well, who am I going to tell him sent me because i got to have some credentials here. i got to have somebody backing me up. He said, tell him I am sent you. Well, unless you do a little digging, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any grammatical sense. It doesn't, you don't tell somebody, uh, what's his name, I am. That doesn't make any sense. Although there is a will I am. Anyway, never mind. Um, <laughs> So by this context, you know, we find out that, that God was making not just a statement of what his name was, but he was, he was making a huge statement in two words. He was basically telling Moses that you're going to face a lot of issues, a lot of challenges, and the only thing you need to remember is I am. So like Pastor Scott said, if someone comes to you and, and they're, you're having a discussion with them and, they, and you say the words I am, they're waiting for the next statement to qualify what you are going to be or do. And so if you're facing issues or facing challenges, God said to Moses, I am, which means I'm the solution, I'm the fix, I'm the action, I'm the next step, I'm whatever you need me to be because that just doesn't reveal an action on God's part. It reveals who he is. So we're going to unpack that and we're going to talk about the names of God and different things that describe him. So, so today we're going we're gonna to pull a name of God from, from the pages of the Old Testament or more accurately, it's the historical account of the Jewish people, classified in our current Bibles as the Old Testament. So it tells their story. And so we're going to step into probably one of the more significant people's lives in, in Jewish history, and that is Abraham, who they consider to be the father of their nation, right? And if you study the New Testament, you understand that that covenant that God made with Abraham applies to us today, even though we're not Jewish, we're Gentile, because we were born into, into Jesus Christ, we were basically surrogate, adopted 
people. So we're part of Abraham's lineage as well, spiritually. So it's, this particular person was the patriarch of the Jewish race and the belief system that has become what we follow today as Christianity. So, so just to give you some perspective, we'll jump into this story right in the middle of, actually, later into his life. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. Just a snapshot of what's happening here. So Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be seen and provided. So this story, I'm going to unpack it for you a little bit because we just took a snapshot out of it. I'm going to explain what it's talking about here, but it's very important that you understand Jehovah-Jireh or the Lord will provide. That is the name that we're going to look at today and going to unpack what it means to understand what that phrase or that description is when it refers to God. So Jehovah-Jireh, let's, let's define it a little bit. Jehovah is translated as the existing one or Lord. The chief meaning of Jehovah is derived from the Hebrew word chava, which means to be or to exist, more specifically to become known. So if we're going to take that foreign language and interpret it, not a word for word, but more of a descriptive paragraph of what that word means, it would be a God who is constantly revealing himself. Okay, Jehovah is not just a deity in the heavens, but he is a deity that is connecting with people. And so Jehovah Jireh is the, the, the God who provides or God will provide. And so provision is, is to see to it or to perceive or experience. So with the statement that Abraham made there, Jehovah Jireh, uh, the Lord will provide, was not just speaking about just provision in that moment, but it was more translated like you see and experience all of the needs I have, and you make provision for it. So it became very personal and very intimate. And if you fast forward to the New Testament, this is after Jesus came and died and, and the church was growing, they, they got to experience, and we're going to talk about that, Emmanuel, God with us, right, when we're getting closer to Christmas. They get to experience not just what Abraham described but they got to see it in action when Jesus walked the earth. And so when Paul was writing in Hebrews, he wrote it this way. In Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptation, but one who has been tempted, pay attention to this, knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are, and yet without committing any sin. So, Abraham, thousands of years in the past, described the God who experiences and provides. Fast forward, they walk with Jesus. They see God living this out in flesh. And then the statement is made, we have a God who knows and experiences who we are. What an incredible, just eye-opening realization when you know that God is not a thing in the sky, but someone who has felt pain and suffering, temptation, uh, all of the things that you and I struggle with. And through all of those emotions, he says, I'm offering you provision. Powerful. We don't have a servant-master relationship that's kind of built upon the principle that he has, I don't, so I've got to grovel and beg to get some of the crumbs. That's not how he created this thing to be. You rewind all the way to the beginning when he made Adam and Eve in a beautiful place, a perfect garden. The Bible says that God would come in the morning and the evening and just... Spend time with them, commune and be present. So the Bible describes this 
this instead of a, a Lord and servant relationship, it's a father and child relationship. And I mean, unless you're just something desperately wrong with you, and we probably should talk after, I need to get you connected to some serious counseling. If your child needs something as a parent, you just have this natural drive to provide. In fact, we tend to make mistakes as parents because we want to keep our children from feeling any pain. So sometimes we give them a little warped sense of perspective about what life really is like, right? Because we shield them from so many things. It's not because we're bad people. It's because we have a compassionate heart for our offspring. And so it's hard to be the disciplinarian, but you know that that's going to make them into a better person. So you suffer through so that you can give them good gifts, right? That's the comparison that the scripture uses when Jesus was talking about the father. He was talking about this relationship. And so it's important to understand when we talk about the God that will provide, it's not a God in heaven and we're humble servants on earth. It's a relationship of father and child. So there's a connection there. So, so let me move quickly and, and explain some foundational groundwork about this Abraham character and his life and his story. So, so God called Abraham, and he gave him a promise that I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to leave your home, your family, what you know now. I'm going to call you away, and I'm going to take you on a journey, and I'm going to build a covenant with you, and I'm going to, I'm going to start something in the earth that is going to be the beginning of the redemptive work that applies in 2019. Pretty amazing. All of this is a journey, and Abraham was a person that God picked. So it was a journey of miracles. It was, it was an establishment of covenant between God and man, and there were moments in Abraham's life that were so significant. They just impacted his world and the world around him, and, and God began to bless him. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation, and he began to bless him with wealth and land, and he just grew and grew and grew in abundance. But there was a major barrier with this promise. I mean, you can't be the father of anything if you don't have children, <laughs> right? You kind of have to have offspring to be the father of something. And so he didn't, couldn't have, Sarah was barren. His wife was barren. They couldn't have children. So, okay, God, I'm tracking. I'm, I'm on this journey. We're going somewhere. You're blessing me. I'm having these covenants and all this great stuff. But hello, how about a child, right? <laughs> Kind of hard to create a lineage without something that's following. So time passes. Abraham was old. Sarah was old. And then God visits them and a promise comes that they're going to have a child. And, and 25 years have passed since Abraham took off on the journey. And, and now Sarah is expecting a child. The promise has finally come. So this long period of time there and and they're old, and they're having a baby. I think they're 100 years old and about to have a baby. Now, that's just weird, right? <laughs> so all this is happening. And, and fast forward some more. The child is born. The promise of Abraham is like, it's finally here. God did not lie. He stayed true to his word. It's amazing. And then, then something happens. Something big happens. I have it in my notes. as the big ask. <laughs> God has a question for Abraham. And we'll fast forward to a few verses. Genesis chapter two, 2, it says this, sometime later. So Isaac's born sometime later. God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son. And, and I, I love the way this is written because God is highlighting the emphasis of the ask. He says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, just to be clear, the only one you have, right? Take that one and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. 
Clearly it was the pizza talking. <laughs> Context, you got to understand that in those days, the sacrifice was the way of worship. The physical shedding of blood was the way of worship. That's how it was done. That was the known way. That was the, the, the established method. So this was not foreign to Abraham. He sacrificed often to God according to the, 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 the cultural and the, and the connection and following the rules of the day. So, so he knew this. But, but here's, the, here's the challenge. You also have to understand that obviously offering your only child on an, offer, on an altar is like Bizarre. The only people that did human sacrifices were the heathens that worshiped false gods. I mean, what are you doing? I don't understand this. But yet there was some connection with Abraham and God that was so strong that it didn't seem to be a blip on Abraham's radar other than, yes, I'll do what you've asked me to do. And so to give you a little more perspective, historically, the Bible doesn't exactly explain this, but historians have studied and they figured that Isaac is in his 20s when this is happening. He's not a little kid. So talk about close to your promise, right? Okay, so I've had a son, great. But now I've got to get him to where he can have children of his own, right? So you've got to protect him and keep him growing and make sure everything's okay. And then now God's asking this when the guy is almost to the age of marriage. And he's almost to the age of childbearing himself, fathering a child. And, and God is asking, basically, give me Isaac back. What a big ask. And so... He launches on this journey. According to scripture, Abraham doesn't hesitate. He packs up. He leaves the next morning. They're heading on the journey. Isaac's with him. He's used to this. He's sacrificed with his dad many times before. He says, hey, pops, just one question. We got everything we need except the animal we're supposed to sacrifice. What are we doing about that? And I love what Abraham says. He says, listen, son, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Abraham didn't know what was going on. He just knew that he was on a journey and he had never had that voice that was directing him fail him. God had always been true. God had always proven himself. He had remembered the moments of doubt and how God had solved those problems, answered those questions. And so Abraham knew, I don't know how, but God himself is going to provide. There's that word. Abraham Everything that he dreamed of, all of his promise, his life, his legacy was on the line. And without hesitation, he moved forward because he trusted that God was going to provide the answer. Quickly, they get to the place, they build the altar, they put the wood on the altar, and Abraham starts putting Isaac up on the altar. I don't know how this all transpired. We just get snapshots through the scripture. But at some point, it was to the point where I mean, I envisioned the guy laying on the altar, dad with the knife in his hands. I mean, it's kind of a morbid scene, but what if that's how it came? And then God stops the whole thing and says, you know what? That was a test. And you ace the test. And right over there in the corner is a nice big ram that's tangled up in a thicket. Instantly provided, God gave the offering. But what I need you to understand here is after that moment happened, and let me tell you something. You, got, you have to try to put yourself in Abraham's shoes. What about the dreams that you've had, the things that you believe that God was going to do in your life, every promise that you, you had wrapped up in this thing that was your purpose in life, all of a sudden, it's, it's at a moment where it, it's just going away. It's not going to be there. Everything that 
Abraham had hoped for and lived for was bundled up in one human, and he was about to just give that life away. That moment, that moment where everything was between Abraham and God at that moment, there was no distraction. There was no something else pulling his attention. There was no belts and suspenders approach to this situation. There was no plan B. This was it. Everything at this moment But his trust and his faith in God was so on point that he was willing to do it because he knew on the other side God must have a different plan because I've seen him prove himself over and over and over. And that's why we talk a lot about here about our stories because we have such a tendency to forget when God does something great in our life and the next problem shows up, don't we? I just had a conversation with Pastor Scott in the office today, and he reminded me of a miracle that happened in this church that I had completely forgotten about. But I can tell you bad things that happened yesterday. You know what I mean? Just how we're wired. Everything was on this moment. A miracle happens. There's a ram in the bush. He sacrifices that ram. And I'll read that verse again to you where we started. Genesis chapter 22, 14. So Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be seen and provided. I'm sure, you know, Isaac was really thankful for the ram that showed up. (laughs) But I can't imagine the relief that Abraham must have felt to know what God had provided. Here's the thing I find interesting. Abraham did not name the place the Lord has provided. And I married to a grammar teacher, so she explained this in great detail to me. That the Lord has provided would have meant that up to that point, that snapshot in time, provision was made, right? And it would have been fair for Abraham to say that, right? Because in my mind, the only thing that would have been going on in my life at that moment was that event. And to see that God provided that that solution that would have been God. I would have come home and told my wife, the Lord provided today. <laughs> that would have been, but he didn't name it that. Because what Abraham saw about God, because of the journey he had been on, was that it wasn't that God provided that moment, but that God will provide. So he named it not a, a, a present moment name. He named it into the future. He named it into your future. He named it into my future. The Lord will provide. I, 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 we often refer to Jehovah Jireh as provider or just that one statement. But when you break it down and you understand the true content of that interpretation or translation is the Lord will provide. It is an ongoing promise and it is a promise of fact. It's not optional. It's not he might. The Lord will provide. And so that place in time, that snapshot in time because of a 25-year journey that this man had been on, he spoke into the future and said, anybody following me from this point on, you need to know that our God will provide. That is powerful. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter if your hope is crushed. It doesn't matter what may have been. It's not the Lord that provided for someone else. It's the Lord will provide for you right in your situation. That is incredible. But there's a caveat here I want you to not to miss. 
Abraham did not name God Jehovah Jireh. He named the place Jehovah Jireh. And to further describe that description, on the mountain of the Lord it will be seen and provided is a statement that according to the word is present to this day. So there was something significant, not just about who God is, but about the fact that it was a place. It was a place. In, in, in Abraham's world, it was Mount Moriah. But for you and I, we don't have to go to a Mount Moriah because there's a spiritual posture. There is a mental place. There is a spiritual understanding that when you, arri- you and I arrive at this place, that's when we understand the provision that God gives to us. It's not physical, geographical, but it is, it is a place in our heart and in our spirit where we realize that it takes the I am from me and puts it where it's supposed to be, and that's on him. I don't have to be the solution to my problems because he told me I am. He already is the solution to my problem. The challenge that we have is we play God. It's my world, it's my life, it's my problem, I have to fix it. At the very basis of salvation, we have to shatter that theory. At the very basis of our salvation and trust in God says to us, I can't do this by myself. I've got to give this to someone else to take care of because I can't save myself, right? So at the very foundation, that's where we start. But then it grows from there. If, if you've lived for God a long time, if you've been a Christ follower for many years, this still applies to you. I still struggle here because it's a natural response for me to fix my problems. I forget that I have a dad who is more than willing. All I have to do is ask, and he will provide because it's who he is. It's not what he does. It's who he is. That's pretty cool. Abraham had to go to the mountain. That going kind of denotes that he was on a journey. He had to go to a place. Let me tell you something about your journey with Christ. It's just that. If someone has ever convinced you that once you're saved, you're there, I'm sorry, but they really sold you a bill of goods. Being saved is just the introduction. Being saved is just the... Hi, I'm Andrew. You're Jesus. I need you in my life. That's it. After that moment is where he's redeeming us. After that moment, I'm living a life. I didn't have a conversion. I am living my conversion now. When I was working on this message, I was living my conversion because part of me is fighting this because I'm in control. And he's like, no, 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 you weren't. I'm in control. Let me be your I am because I can provide in ways that you don't know how. So I'm fighting this. I'm struggling against this. But he's telling me, I have a plan. Just let me do it. This place that I'm talking about, this place that Abraham named is not a physical mountain in Moriah. It's a position that we come to that says, I'm not Uh, uh, the answer, he isn't just part of the answer. He is the complete solution to the problem. Whatever you're facing in life, now this may feel canned to you. This may feel like Christianese to you, but I'm telling you the truth. Whatever you're facing in life, he is the ultimate solution to the problem. The challenge is getting out of the way and letting him step in and provide. It's incredible. But it's hard to do. (laughs) 
Unless all of you guys have it and you're just listening to me sort my own problems out today, this is hard. Thank you for being a great counselor. I go for therapy every other week right here. Just kidding. When you take this journey with Christ, he will lead you to a place. It will become your place. The thing about Abraham's journey to Mount Moriah is Isaac was there, but this was no one else but God and Abraham. This was between God and Abraham. There are moments in your life, somebody's got to hear me today. There are moments in your life where you've got to push everybody else away. Just you and God. And he will show himself to be the provision that you need. As long as I depend on my bank account a little bit, as long as I depend on my wife a little bit, as long as I depend on my friend a little bit, there's a little space of me that God doesn't own. And it says that God tested Abraham. Go read Genesis chapter 22 and chapter 23. At the end of this, God says, you know what, Abraham? I realize now there is nothing between you and me, just us. That's the place. That is the place. That is why it's called. The place is called the Lord will provide. The place is called Jehovah Jireh. You have to get to the place. Not just a nice idea. You've got to get there. You have to go on this journey. You have to let him walk with you when you're trying to work through uh, your Christian life and you're following Christ and you're letting him pull things out of you that you know don't belong there. Those attitudes, those words, those thoughts, those actions, pulling those things out of you. You're learning how to... We've gone through a uh, uh, last series about how to be a steward. We're letting, we're letting God into every area of our life, into the way we manage our, our, our budget the way we live our every part of it because God wants to take you on a journey to that place where he becomes your provider. And let me tell you something. If you study Abraham's life, you'll find this guy didn't lack anything. He was wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. We serve a God who sees and experiences our needs and provides accordingly. This is personal. It isn't the same for everyone, but it is a promise for everyone. It takes trust and it takes obedience. Moving quickly, provision. Provide is to make available, to furnish, to supply or equip. God is inviting you and I to a place where he becomes our provision. Or whatever we need, he is the answer, the solution. It's a place where the Holy Spirit empowers us to trust without hesitation. God asks it, we do it because we know he's proven it over and over and over that he's always going to provide. What does provision look like? What does it look like? We talk about provision, we automatically think of material things. At least I do. Think of food and finances and things that need to be provided, right? When I provide for my family, I provide those things. But we've also come to realize that as a husband, as a father, I don't just provide a place to live and food to eat, right? Who's loving them? Who's giving them words of affirmation? Who's mending the relationships? Who's guarding their hearts and minds? The, the role of the father is big. Provision is huge. The simple stuff, when I say simple, easy to wrap our head around simple. The easy to wrap our head around stuff are the things that are tangible. But what about the intangibles? And that's what God is telling us. It's more than just give your 10% or give in the offering or give a, a gift to someone who needs it. It's so much bigger than that. And when he looks at us, 
through the eyes of provision, it's every part of our life that has need or is lacking is the area that he can be the Lord that will provide. A broken relationship. I don't want to ask for hands, but every hand would probably go up both hands, maybe even a foot. Everybody has broken relationships in their lives. Relationships that used to be good that you realize, you know what? There's a breach. It's never going to be healed. I'm, it's done. There's pain. I can't go back. It's not going to ever put together. It's never going to mend. It's never going to be what it used to be. Here's what I have to tell you today. The Lord will provide. He will provide the right words to say. He'll provide a supernatural ability to forgive that you can't do by yourself without the Holy Spirit. He'll provide the power to love like he loves, which is unimaginable uh, in our human way of thinking. The Lord will provide. What about a marriage that looks hopeless? A marriage that looks hopeless is a bad place to be. But I have a word for you, and that is the Lord will provide. He'll provide the power to love through pain. He'll provide the ability to have strength to be selfless. I'm ringing somebody's bell hard today. Ding! <laughs> this is where we live. And when we talk about provision... We often don't think of God stepping into a relationship and a marriage that's in pieces and providing the things that it takes to fix. Let me tell you something. It's hard to create two humans to become a single union. That's why it takes the Holy Spirit. That's why Corinthians talks about love that we can't hardly imagine doing. But he says, you not just, not just you need to, this is how you have to love. So how am I supposed to do it, God? Well, guess who's the provider? I am. I, <laughs> isn't that funny? Right? I am. I'll take care of it. I will give you the ability to love like I love. I will empower you through my spirit to forgive like I forgave. Anybody remember Calvary, the cross? That's all forgiveness. Your life doesn't appear to be turning out the way you planned it. You feel far from God. It doesn't feel like you really even matter. I have one phrase for you today, and I think maybe you've caught it by now. The Lord will provide. His presence never leaves he provides the strength to keep pressing on through the grind when you feel like quitting, but somehow you just don't. He gives you the ability to see yourself the way he sees you. And if you got nothing else from today, that right there will change your life. If you can see yourself the way Christ sees you, it will absolutely change your life. Because he doesn't see failure. He doesn't see a screw-up. He doesn't see a guy or a, or a lady who just can't get out of their own way. He sees something of value that he invested enough in that he was willing to die so that you would have a chance. This is the gospel. <laughs> this is the gospel. A future that looks so bleak, a ton of college debt, difficult career path. I have a phrase for you. There's hope. <laughs> The Lord will provide. He'll give you favor with people that can open doors for you. That's provision. He'll give you financial blessing. That's provision. He'll give you the power, the power and the ability to perform with excellence better than people around you. Look at the life of Joseph. Study his life and see what God, what it looks like when God provides through someone. Worship team, you guys can come. I think I could go for another two hours on this. It's just mind-blowing. Here's what I found when I did a little digging. 
I found out that Jehovah Jireh was only used once in all of Scripture. That description the Lord will provide was only mentioned one time in Scripture. And it was on a mountain. It was on Mount Moriah when God provided a sacrifice. The only other time that you will find a similarity to that moment in time was when you fast forward to what we call the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, when they are writing the story of Jesus when he was walking on this earth. And there's a point in the life of Christ. Everybody knows that we celebrated every Easter. We had communion here last week to remember one event. It was also on a mountain, and the mount was called Golgotha, when God provided the ultimate sacrifice for every one of us that is in this room today and those people out there that still don't know that someone loved them enough to pay so they can be free. It's the Lord that will provide, not the Lord that has provided. I don't know to the date how many thousands of years ago when that account happened with Abraham. But I do know today that I have lived long enough to have seen that come true in my life. I will tell you this. It is hard to journey to that place. And for those of you today that are struggling those of you today that are trying to take what I'm saying and, and boil it down and, and apply it to where you're living right now, I'll tell you this. The journey that Abraham went on was wrought with mistake after mistake. Abraham just messed up. He, he did things wrong. He lied about his wife. He, he, he uh, concocted this plan to, to help God out and, and had a son with with another woman so that he would have a lineage. Uh, Abraham was just a royal mess up. He just messed up all the time. So I'm here to tell you, if you're expecting to arrive at this place I'm talking about, and you don't expect to, to get there until you're perfect, you'll never get there, first thing. Second thing, if you think it's going to be a clean journey getting there, I, I hate to pop your bubble, but hopefully this helps. You're going to mess up so bad on your journey. You're going to look up to heaven and think, Dear God, you've made a mistake and I am that. You're going to realize, Why am I in this mess I'm in? God, have you forgotten about me? 25 years, Abraham wondered and literally wondered. He wondered and he wandered, looking and waiting and couldn't figure it out. But God will provide. And when he was on that mount, man, he just knew. You've looked past all my failures. You've redeemed me from the mess I've made of my life. You're still walking right here even though every day I fail and fall. And you're still inviting me to a place where I can provide in ways that will blow your mind. Just let me. Just let me. Come on, we're all in this journey. 
It's a messy journey. I'm just here to tell you today, don't quit because it's a promise. He didn't provide in the past. He will provide today. So when you wake up to your, tomorrow, you can say, He will provide. And that means that day and the next one coming. And you can continue to do that until you breathe your last because that promise applies to every waking and sleeping moment of your lifespan. The will always is active in the moment you're in with the hope of what's coming around the corner that you can't anticipate. He will provide. That's all we need to know. God, take me to the place where I understand this and you really are my provision. Stand with me this morning. I'm telling you what, this is churning my insides. This is life changing. He redeemed us when God gave the ultimate sacrifice on Calvary. He redeemed us and it's so beautiful because he says that we become adopted we become family. Why does he tell us that? He tells us that because everybody, if you have a kid, you know that there's a connection that happens between a father and a child that is undescribable. And he wants us to know that no matter what we do, he is always and forever will be our father, which means no matter what we need, he is the God that will provide. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for the hope of what this season really is. Our King has come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here today. Please, if you're planning on being with us at our Christmas dinner, please come see us at the back. We'll get everything taken care of and signed up. God bless you. Have a great week.